The Lord is gracious, full of kindness, slow to anger, everlasting. Oh, his goodness and tender mercies for all of this. We will bring you praise. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. We bless your name. Sing praise, sing praise for all of this. We will bring you praise. The Lord is gracious, full of kindness. Slow to anger, everlasting. Oh, his goodness and tender mercies for all of this. We will bring you praise. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. We bless your name. Sing praise, sing praise for all of this. We will bring you praise. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Near to us all when we call upon your name. Every day we will bless you and glorify you forever and gracious, full of kindness, slow to anger, everlasting. Oh, his goodness and tender mercies for all of this. We will bring you praise. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. We bless your name. Sing praise, sing praise for Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Near to us all, when we call upon your name, every day we will bless you and glorify you forever and evermore. The Lord is gracious. Slow to anger, everlasting, for his goodness and tender mercies for all of this. We will bring you praise. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. We bless your name. Sing praise, sing praise for all of this. We will bring you praise. Oh, when we fall down, the Lord will raise us. Your compassions will never change. And when we hunger, you will sustain us for all of this. We will bring you the Lord is righteous, the Lord is gracious. We will extol your holy name. 
Your works are mighty, for you are holy. For all of this, we will bring you praise. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. We bless your name. Sing praise, sing praise. For all of this, we will bring you praise. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. We bless your name. Sing praise, sing praise. For all of this, we will bring you Sunday, sometimes it's five Sundays, but on the fourth Sunday, that's the day where you always, uh, I felt my heart to have um, songs, praise songs dedicated to his return. You know, <laughs> this is not a playground, it's a battleground. And this is too many churches emphasizes on the play and the prosperity when we're just passing through here for a short time at that. We're going home, and the signs are there. His coming is very, very soon. are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord and these are the days of your servant Moses righteousness being restored and though these are days of great trials of famine and darkness and sore do we are the voice in the desert crying prepare ye the way of the lord behold he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet call so lift your voice it's the year to believe out of science hill salvation comes these are the days of ezekiel the dry bones becoming as flesh and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun 
at the trumpet call. So lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, so lift your voice, it's the year of Jubilee. Out of science till salvation come. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, so lift your voice. It's a year of Jubilee. Out of science, hill salvation come. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, so lift your voice. It's a year of Jubilee. Out of science, hill salvation come. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Yeah. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice. It's a year of Jubilee. Out of science, hill salvation come. Behold, he come. So lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee. Out of science, hill salvation come. and clap, clap for the Lord.
Skipped reading is from Mark 
chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And I say to you, I say to all, watch. You may be seated, and we could dismiss our children. Good morning. morning. I love it when we dismiss our children and Jack goes to the back. (laughs) I've been wanting to pick on you all morning and I just didn't have the chance. And anyway, we have an ongoing relationship to where one will get the other one first. That's what we go for. So welcome this morning. So glad you're here today. We're going to continue our study this week. As you know, we broke from uh, Judges to Ezekiel chapter 3, and we have three parts that we're going to be covering. We covered part one last week. We're in part two today. Our title this morning is is A Word of Warning Continued, because that's pretty much what this particular chapter has given me to speak on this morning. The Lord just really uh, unfolded this in my heart over the last few weeks, so we're going to continue there. Ezekiel chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 12. So, Father, we ask this morning that your spirit speak to us, that you guide every word. Lord, I don't want to say anything that doesn't come from you. And I just pray that you will speak. Bring your word alive to us today. Lord, this world that we live in is extremely dark. But we're supposed to be the light. And if we're supposed to be the light, then we need to be uh, lit up. We need to have your word, Lord, uh, instilled within us written upon our hearts, prepared in season and out of season to speak what you give us to speak when you give it to us. So, Lord, that we are not operating in status quo and business as usual, but we're walking in accordance to the leading of the Holy Spirit and moving as you see fit for us to go. So I just ask, Lord, that you have this service this morning. Speak to us. And grow us, grow us, Lord, Lord, as those oaks or trees of righteousness planted by the river. To be firm when the wind blows, when the waters rise, our roots are strong because we're rooted in you. So We thank you and we praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, recapping last week in our last study, we saw Ezekiel. He took the scroll. And he was told, eat this scroll, digest it, eat it. He said it was sweet as honey in his mouth. 
And we know from our study and continuing this study that this is the word that God had given him to speak to Israel. The word of the Lord. He was to eat, feast upon it, take it in. Now we see a similar image to this in Revelation 10, verses 8 through 11. And this is John. He said, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now this gives us a little bit more insight about Ezekiel here when he took this word yes it was sweet as honey in his mouth but the word is not always an easy word and when God gave him this word he said this is going to be something you're going to speak now he said it throughout the chapter this is a rebellious people they're not going to listen but you're going to speak anyway you're going to do what I tell you to do you're going to say what I tell you to say and you're not to worry about the results now, that's a very difficult place for a prophet to be. But Isaiah had it. <laughs> Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Jonah. There were words given. Jonah, in particular, didn't want to give the word because he knew God might relent if they repented. But these others, God says, they're not going to turn. Their hearts are hardened. But you have to speak anyway. Now, again, here in our culture today, we are a fruit expectation group. <laughs> we want to see the results. It's all about results. And we want it instantly. Everything is instant everything now. If you want to know something, Google it. And it shuts down every argument. I hate Google. Because when you're in a discussion, everybody wants to talk about what they believe in their point. And, oh, somebody Google it. This is the answer. Well, now what do we talk about? But that's instant. Everybody wants instant information. It's not always accurate information, but it's instant information. And between social media and all this garbage that's going on out there, people form an opinion and get their emotions riled up on the tip of a hat, and the next thing you know, you've got all this stuff going on around you. Well, when it comes down to what the Lord says, he's saying this is, this is information, but it may not happen today. But it's still information that needs to be told. And you're going to be speaking to an obstinate, rebellious people. But you have to speak. We cannot keep quiet. What was Jesus said? If they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. So we need to be vocal, but we need to be vocal based on the Spirit giving us the word, not just being vocal for vocal sake, because we can also get wrapped up into the emotional aspect of things, and it become all about emotion. And that's not, gonna, that's not going to make anything happen. The Spirit of God is the only thing that makes things happen. And many times as we digest God's Word, it's not easy to speak forth what we've been given. But as we're going to see in today's message, we have to be bold. To not speak it is ultimately denying Him. And we will be held accountable. God gave me two warnings in our last message. The first was to the church, and that's to repent. 
and get back to the full counsel of God's word, not bowing to cultural movements of today, but standing against everything that goes against God's word of truth. And the second warning was to the nation, and that's to repent or we will be brought down to our knees because we've denied God in all aspects of our government. He will remove himself from us causing to fall, just as all superpowers have fallen in history. And if you think about it, two to three hundred years is pretty much the window. And that's where we are. Pride, arrogance, self-centeredness, all the things that, that Paul wrote about to Timothy. They'll be lovers themselves, lovers of money, boastful, haters. All of these things are happening around us. And the wonderful thing about it is, is it's moving us closer to Jesus. We're getting closer and closer to him every day. But the actual reality of the environment is intensifying. Because as Isaiah said, what will be considered good is now considered evil. And what is considered evil is now considered good. Everything is backwards. Everything is backwards in the culture that we live in. And we have to make sure that we align ourselves with the only thing that is upright and perfect and straight. And that's the word of God, Jesus himself. We need to be in this relationship. Now this week, we're going to see how the prophet is accountable for his actions. If he doesn't give the warning, he'll have the blood of those who die in their sin upon him. But if he speaks all he's told to speak, he will be released from that accountability. We will also see that he's speaking to two groups, the wicked and the righteous. So let's begin in verse 12 of Ezekiel chapter 3. Then the Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit, lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them, and great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives at Tel Aviv, who dwelt by the river Shebar. And I sat where they sat, and I remained there astonished among them seven days. Now it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, You shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. And again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. So, 
let's start back here at verse 12 and 13. He's hearing, it, it's very loud in this vision. <laughs> There's a lot of rumbling, thundering, and noise, and the voice is loud. And to get a better understanding of what he sees, we need to go back to chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1 uh, tells us about this vision, or tells us what he's seeing, and he's redescribing here in chapter 3. And in verse 4, beginning in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and a brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its mist like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four faces had wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each, had the four, each of the four had the face of a lion, and on the right side, each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies, and each one went straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. And as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning. And the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash, uh, like a flash of lightning. And as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with his four faces. And the appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they moved, they went toward one, any one of four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high they were awesome, and their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went because they're the Spirit went and the wheels were lifted together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels and when those went or when those went these went when they stood these stood and when they were lifted up from the earth the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheel the likeness of the firmament above the hands the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads and under the firmament their, firmament, their wings spread out straight, one toward another. Each one had two, or each one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult, like the, the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. That's a lot of reading, but that's a big description. And this is what he's hearing. This is what he's seeing. And he's seeing this stuff going on, and it's loud, and all of these things are happening around him. 
this tells us a little bit of why Ezekiel felt the way he did in verse 14. It said, so the spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Now, Ezekiel's just a man. He's given this vision. He's, he's encompassing all of this stuff going on around him. I couldn't comprehend. I mean, just reading that is more than I can comprehend. But he's looking at it. He's hearing it. It's real. It's all around him. He's seeing all of these things. So when he says he went in bitterness and in the heat of the spirit, there's a heaviness upon him. There is a heaviness that's placed upon him. The Hebrew word for bitterness in verse 14 is mar mara. Literally, it's bitter, but it's chafed. It's discontented, heavy. And the Hebrew word for heat in this sentence is kaimal, kaimal, which is figuratively anger, poison. Hot displeasure, furious indignation, poison and rage. Now, this is what he's feeling as the Lord now has given him this vision. He's told him he's got to go and speak this word that he's eating. He's taking the scroll he's eating. Now he's got to go give this word. And this is what he's feeling inside when he's getting ready to go. This is a burden. This is a burden, a strong, but it's a strong emotional response to everything God's told him regarding the state of Israel at the time. And this is his response to it. Notice at the end of verse 14, it says, But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And what this tells us is that Ezekiel was not only burdened with his own emotional anger, he was burdened with God's anger. He was burdened because God was burdened for his people. And so he's carrying this burden. God had placed this anger upon Ezekiel to speak what he was feeling towards them. When you talk about a burden bearer, you've all heard about being a burden bearer. There are many that, that are burden bearers. Some of it is it, part of spiritual warfare. It's really the, the heaviness when you're engaged in prayer and the intensity of prayer. You know what it feels like when you're in a battle in prayer. There's an intensity there, and that's a burden. Many carry burdens of other people more than they carry themselves. When they know someone else is hurting, they're hurting with them. And, of course, the Scripture tells us when you're grieving, we grieve together. When you're rejoicing, we rejoice together. This is what the relationship with God brings is unity one with another in all of these circumstances and all of these things. But this is, this is what he's feeling. This is the word that he's given. And it's like a sword that's going forth in judgment and in warning. And we know in Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So when God gives a word, which we have the written word, he's given that to us. He also speaks to our hearts through the spirit. But as he's given this word to Ezekiel, it is a sword. He's going forth with a sword, and he's bringing a swinging motion and saying, this is what the word is saying. You're dying in your sin. You've rebelled against God. You've turned away from him. You're walking in wickedness, not in righteousness. And therefore, this is what God is saying. You will die if you don't repent. And again, that is a heavy word that Ezekiel had to carry. So the question for us today is, how many today carry this much of a burden? 
for the church and the nation? Is it not become status quo around us? Well, it's another day. I woke up six feet up instead of six feet down, so I'm taking a good breath. I'm going on about my business today. I've got this to do. We've all got our calendars for the day. I don't know about you, but at work, I write down a list of my things to do, which is really the beginning of tomorrow's list because by the time I get through today, half of it didn't get done, and I have to start over tomorrow. But all of these things that we write down, and we've got our plans, and we've got our ways of doing it, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, and it's all laid out. And God is saying, listen, there's something much more important than your routine. There's something much more important important than you saying, well, I prayed a prayer, and now I'm saved, so now I'm going about my business. There's a relationship that is ongoing every moment of every day, and when we're in Him, and we're seeking Him, and we're desiring Him, He gives us the desires of our heart, which may change our list of today. Because the desires that He gives us are not our desires. They're His desires when He changes us. So now we're on His agenda, not on ours. And when that happens, that means we have to speak when He tells us to speak. We have to go where He tells us to go. We have to do what He says to do. And that rocks the boat for many believers today because their boats are solid in their own minds. There are not many that have this burden. And I can tell you why. And I said it last week. We're a complacent and comfortable people. Nobody wants to be the odd man out saying what goes against the grain of the masses. Why do you think when, when things happen across some big fad, Christian fad moves across, everybody jumps on this bandwagon. They all go with it. It's the masses. It has to be right. Well, I'm the last to jump on a bandwagon. If it's God's wagon, I want to be on it. But I don't want to be on man's wagon that says he put God in it just enough to move across and create some big emotional response that has nothing to do with God. I don't want to be a part of that. And I can tell you, too, that no one wants to carry such an intense burden. And just as it was with Ezekiel, God's hand was heavy upon him. If God's hand is not upon us, we couldn't carry it. Even if it's him placing it there, within our finite mind, within our emotional responses, we couldn't carry it. This is why it's so important that we're close to Jesus, that we're studying his word, that we stay in relationship. It will crush us if we're not. This is not a burden man can carry. It has to be God carrying it in us and through us. But today, see, let's just not rock the boat. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this morning, Jesus is now rocking the boat. He's rocking the church. And he's looking for those who are willing to be rocked so they can rock the world with his truth. It's time that the world get rocked a little bit, but the church has got to get rocked first. And I'm going to tell you something. If the church gets rocked hard enough, there are going to be many fall out. And those that are left will be the ones that God will use. This is where we are today. God is doing a shakedown. He is moving. He is moving in a powerful way. And the church needs to wake up to be a part of what he's doing or get out of the boat. Because the boat is moving forward. God is moving forward. Now, Ezekiel, with this heaviness, 
goes forth to the captives and he sits with them for seven days. And then the spirit of the Lord came to him and told him in verse 17, Son of man, I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. And this term watchman has shown up among other prophets as well. In Isaiah 62, verses 6 through 7, it says, I've set a watchman on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. In Hosea 9, 8 through 9, says, The watchman of Ephraim is my God, but the prophet is a fowler snare in all his ways. Enmity in the house of his God. They are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity and he will punish their sins. In Micah 7, 3 through 5, That they may successfully do evil with both hands, the prince asks for gifts. The judge seeks a bribe, and the great man utters his evil desire. So they scheme together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman and your punishment comes. Now shall be their perplexity. Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. So this term watchman is used in a prophetical sense. And when it's used here in this prophetical sense, it means things are bad and God's about to move. (laughs) Things are bad and God is about to move. Now Ezekiel has been told he's the watchman and he's to speak the words the Lord gives him to two groups of people. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But I wanted to mention something and bringing it forward in today. And that is, you know, our prophets still in operation today to people it's a gift of prophecy still here yes it is the word is very clear about the gifts of the spirit prophecy is one of those gifts i believe it's been hijacked in many cases and i believe it's more emotional sometimes than reality but the truth is is that if you're walking in the spirit and god gives you a word and you need to speak it you're operating as a prophet but i also want to mention something too and that is in the old testament the prophets had a different role than they do here And Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 tells us this. It says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Now, why do I bring that up? Because the gift of prophecy today, we're pretty much prophesying what God has already laid out for us. When you open your mouth, and you speak the word of God, you're operating as a prophet. Now, I'm not saying that that's limited to that. I do believe that the Spirit of God will give you word. He'll give you word of knowledge. He may wake you up and have you begin to pray for someone, have you speak to someone that you don't even know, and just share something that God laid on your heart to share. That is operating as a word of the prophet. But the Old Testament prophets, majority of the time, was never warm and fuzzy, was it? Always warning. Always warning. And so you go through there. And also, how did you test the prophets? Well, just wait a little while. If it came to pass, it was real. If it wasn't, stone them. Now, that'll shut up a prophet's mouth today, wouldn't it? If we went back to that, 
okay, listen, you, you got a word from the Lord, awesome. But just remember, if you're speaking and it's not right, I got a pile of rocks in the back. We'll meet you in the back alley. They, a lot of them just shut up, wouldn't they? Because they're not totally sure it's from the Lord. They just feel impelled and compelled to do whatever. But the thing is, is when, when we're assigned as a watchman today, we are all watchmen. We're watchmen over what God has given us. He feeds us every single day. He gives us his word. We are to be in that word. We're to be meditating upon it. As we talked about last week, we're to eat it, to digest it, to meditate upon it, and then let him use that in us to then speak to others and be a light to other people. That's what really a watchman is, as well as one who is seeing that things are going south and we need to give warning. And right now, things are not going south. They are south. It is horrible with the things that are coming out in our culture today. Horrible. And then some churches bind into it. And the heresy there. And this is where we as true believers have to take a stand. And again, I'm not talking about going out and taking your Bible and knocking everybody over the head. I'm telling you to stand firm, listen to the Holy Spirit, speak when he tells you to speak, and do what he tells you to do. It's a simple relationship. The hard part about it is actually doing it because of the devil coming in here, throwing in all kinds of doubt, throwing in all kinds of fear, Trying to keep us held back because, well, who am I? I'm just a regular so-and-so. I don't have anything to say. No, you don't. But God has plenty to say through you if you will submit to him. It's boldness with humility. They go hand in hand. And that's who we're supposed to be. And that's what we're supposed to do. So seeing here, Ezekiel, he's told to speak to two groups. First, the unrighteous, and second, the righteous. Now, in both, ca both cases, he's told that if he doesn't speak what God has told him to speak, his blood he will require at his hand. And then, again, another heavy load to have to carry. Because not only do I have to say it, I better make sure it's right. <laughs> I don't want to just be talking. I don't want to just be saying things. I need to say what God is saying through me, and I need to be willing to listen before I speak. Another key aspect of walking as a believer in Christ is listening more than you're speaking. God may give you a word, but oftentimes the word he gives you, he may not want you to speak. He wants you to pray over it. He wants you to process it. He wants you to understand it. And then when the time comes to speak, and, and look at what we see here so far with Ezekiel. He travels, he's now there, and he sits for seven days. He just sits. For seven days, waiting on the Lord to speak. And then he says, okay, now here's what I want you to say. Give them warning. Do what I'm telling you to do. But Ezekiel here knows he's being held accountable if he doesn't give the word that God has given him to speak. Now, if he does give the word, and, he, and, and whether they receive it or whether they don't, he's not accountable. See, there's another aspect of who we are in Christ today. Why do we sit quiet? What are we afraid of? What can man do to me? He could kill you. Yeah, but then I'm with Jesus. And if God allows that to happen, he will be glorified in it. We're not to look at this life as being all there is. And again, another aspect of Christianity in, in the United States is this is it. We're walking our blessing. 
Get it all you can. Listen, this is nothing compared to what we're going to receive when we meet Jesus face to face. And all the suffering that we experience won't even compare to the glory that, we're going to be, that will be revealed in Christ Jesus. So we have access to this today. And this is another word for the church today. Attention, all pastors, all preachers, all teachers, and all believers. We all know those in the church and outside of the church that need to hear the full counsel of God's word. Not just warm and fuzzy, bless me messages. And many have prayed a prayer at some point, but don't have a relationship with God. They've never been taught there's more. And here in this culture, if you pray to receive Jesus, oh, get ready, you're going to get blessed. Bless me, bless me, bless me. All about me, me, me. Let's sing about it. Let's praise about it. It's all about me. And God says, no, it's not about you. What he did for you was about you. But now it's about him in you. And it's all about him doing it. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, it's not always easy for people to become real Christians. You can get them to sign a card or make a decision, or join a church. But for people to be delivered from their sin is a pretty hard deal because it means they have to get off the throne that they placed themselves on. See, ultimately what's happened in the church in the United States is we have said, hey, I'm my own God. And not just in the church, that's the world's view, period. They they deny that there's an existence of God. They want to be God. And so they removed him, theoretically, from, their thr- from the throne and put themselves there. And then what happens? Where we're at right now happens. And as this progresses, in order to be awakened and to walk in a, re- in a relationship with Jesus, we have to move ourselves off that throne that we have placed ourselves on and said, I'm not in control here. I don't make the decisions. The scripture says, I am not my own. I am bought with the price, which means now I am subject to him, not to myself. I have to humble myself and kneel before the living God. Until man comes to the place where he dethrones himself and recognizes God is the only one who can sit on that throne, he will never surrender. He will always be right at that edge of saying, I trust God, but doing his own thing. He'll always be at that edge of trying to fix his own problems. He will always be at that point where he's his own provider. He's his own security. And if this job that he has is not sufficient, he will go seek another one that will make sure that's his security. Or he'll invest in his 401k, and one stock market drop will take it all away. But then he'll rebuild, and he'll do this. And this is the mindset of man. This is the culture that we live in. It's all about us taking care of ourselves. Nothing in Scripture supports it. Nothing. In Scripture, it's trust in Jesus for our daily bread. It's giving Him glory and praise and honor no matter what our circumstances are. Because it's all about Him. It's not about us. And so we have to get ourselves to this point of understanding. We, we serve a God who is. He said, I am that I am. And that is ultimately the sovereign, the merciful, the full of grace, the full of knowledge, the wisdom, every aspect, every attribute of 
attribute of God is all there and is all perfect, and we have to trust in Him when we can't even see what's going on when we open our eyes around us. Because what we see is not the reality of who God is. He's well beyond that. And we need to grasp this. And understanding this, and understanding that we walk in a relationship built on humility and trust, why do we water down the gospel to a broken culture and tease them with warm and fuzzy messages about God's love accepting all? Listen, God's love is available to all. He will meet you where you are, but he will not leave you where you are once you enter into relationship with him. And there's the lie. There's the difference. The world's view of God and even some church views of God is, oh, he's all loving. He takes all. We're all part of God's family. You're all God's children. No, you're not. You're not God's child unless you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That gives you the adoption into the kingdom of God. Otherwise, you're part of his creation, but you're not his child. And that's the word that needs to be spoken to people who are walking in this place of saying, oh, we're all accepted. It don't matter. Jesus didn't really die for your sin anyway. And that's coming out of some of these uh, uh, schools and colleges that are supposed to be Christian teaching. Heresy. Jesus came for a purpose. And that purpose is to redeem. And we can't stay where we are we can come to him as we are but he wants to take us into a different person old things have passed away behold all things will become new now as we speak this word each person is accountable for what they do with what they hear but for the those those who know the truth and keep quiet They'll be responsible for not speaking what they've been given. There's an accountability. I mean, think about it. How many times have you driven down the road and passed a police car and start flashing your lights at the next guy? You're giving warning. Slow down. There's a cop back here. How many times have signs up? Construction ahead. Slow down. Signs on the bridges. Bridges ice before the roads. There's warning signs for everything. There's signs for everything out there. We always have this stuff going on. And when our friends and family, we, we watch the TV when a tornado's coming. And I remember <laughs> we were watching one years ago, and Monica Kaufman, it was so funny. They were talking about, you know, there's a tornado located right here, and Monica says, well, move out of the way so we can see it, you know. And, and they, but there were warnings. And what do we do? Oh, you better call your parents. That tornado is getting close to them. Or you better call so-and-so. You give them warning. All of these things we want to warn people about. But the church is not warning the people that they're dying in their sin. And this is what the warning needs to go out today. I had a confrontation with the Jehovah's Witness Saturday morning. Usually they, they don't leave. But this one was trotting on pretty good by the time I was done. Now, I wasn't mean. I really wasn't. I was bold. When she handed me her flyer, I said, who are you with? She said, Jehovah's Witness. I said, hand it back. I said, you don't believe the truth. You have a different Bible than we have. Oh, that's what they say. We have the same Bible. I said, no, you don't. It is not translated correctly. You do not believe that Jesus is 
the Son of God and is God. Oh, he wasn't God. I said, yes, he is God, and he died for your sin. And if you don't repent and get him and believe in him for who he is, you're going to die in that sin and you're going to burn in hell. She was back in the car pretty quick and took off. But I'm not, I'm not proud of that conversation. What I'm saying is, is that we need to understand that there are people that do not believe truth, but yet they're out there passing out flyers. You'll find more people on the street corner with Jehovah's Witnesses than you do believers in, in Jesus Christ and the deity of who he is. But a lot of times believers also, they want to hide away. Oh, I'm praying. They go in their prayer closet. Now, the Bible says go in your prayer closet and pray. The Bible doesn't say to live in your prayer closet. You've got to come out sometime. And the world is still there when you come out of your prayer closet. And you've got to face it. The time that you're spending. Listen, when Jesus spent time alone with the Father, he was recharging for going back to meet the people in the next few minutes or the next hour or the next day. That's why he separated himself, not so he could hide from the people and not have to deal with it. He went to spend time with the Father so that when he went back out, he heard and knew what the Father told him to do, and that's what he went out to do. He always did the will of God, always. That was what his whole thing was. He would say over and over, I did not come to do my will. I came to do the will of the one who sent me. My Father in heaven sent me for this purpose. Therefore, this is the purpose of which I will do. Now, we're no different as believers today. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the Word of God available to us. We need to be willing to say, I'm here to do what the Father says to do, not what I want to do, not what anybody else wants to do, and especially, now, I don't want to care what you want to hear. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to tell you truth. And that's what we're called to do. But many don't want to face persecution and they want to remain in a comfortable place until his return. So I've seen many people, oh, I wish Jesus would come back. I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. Well, you better get on your knees and say, how's he going to find you when he does? Hiding away in fear or standing bold in relationship? That's the warning to the church. When you're hiding away, that's not biblical Christianity. And it's not walking in the spirit, it's walking in the flesh. And it's where the church of the United States of America is as we speak. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Psalm 119 Verse 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you're supposed to get up and pray first thing in the morning. Well, you, you can and should if, you, that's your, if you're a morning person. But here it says night watches. I'm more of an afternoon 10 to 3 kind of a person myself. You know, I'm awake during those moments. The point is, is don't bind yourself up with legalistic when you're supposed to. Just get with Jesus. Spend your time with him. Romans 13, 11, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than we first believed. Every day we wake up, 
our salvation is near. Now, we're, we're saved. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about you have to be saved that day. I'm talking about the hope of Jesus' return. I'm talking about being with him in eternity. Every day you wake up, you're one day closer. One day closer. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Maybe a year. Maybe ten years. I don't know. As the scripture reading said, no one knows the day or the hour. But God himself knows. And that day is drawing closer and closer as we speak. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In Ephesians 5, 14. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So this morning I come with this continued word of warning. This continued word that God has laid upon my heart. It's time for us to wake up and be bold. It's time for us to not cower down in the face of the enemy, in the face of the media, in the face of the culture wars, in the face of all of these things coming at us because they're not going to stop. Satan will not stop. He's going to continue to continue and continue. And we need to be prayed up, worded up, guarded up, prepared to do what he calls us to do and not cower down when it comes. We're either with God or we're not. And we talked about this briefly yesterday in our men's time. There's, there's a, lot, a lot of black and white and a lot less gray area than people want you to believe. There's not much gray area when it comes to relationship with God. You're either his or you're not. You're either in, in him or you're not. He's either in you or he's not. And if you're not in him, who are you with? There's only two choices. There's God and there's Satan. And you're either walking in a relationship with God or you're walking with Satan. You may say, oh, I'm not in a relationship with him. No, but he's sure manipulating you and he's sure using you and he's sure taking everything in you and using you for his glory and it's going to burn, it's going down. And there's a lot of umbrellas you can put under that category, but the truth is, is there's only two places to be, in Jesus or in Satan. And it's time for us to examine our hearts and find out really where are we. Where are we? Jesus said in Matthew 12, 27 through 30. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad we're to be gathering with him yes we're sowing seeds we're constantly in a place where we're sowing seeds of hope sowing seeds of the gospel sowing seeds of righteousness but we're also in the place of gathering and by gathering doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have all this fruit that you're going to be saying look what i'm responsible for that's not what i'm talking about I'm talking about being obedient to listen to the Spirit when he says, this one I need you to speak to. This one I need you to pray for. This one I need you to say this word from the, my holy word to him that they may know that the lifestyle that they're living is not in alignment with God's word. They may claim to be a Christian. They may even be a preacher. And I'm telling you, homosexual preachers are not Christians. They're not. 
But the fact is, if they stand up there, they're welcomed into some of these buildings and they're community activists doing social work. And that's their hope. But they're not believers. You cannot say you believe in Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior if you're living in a sin that goes against his word. And that's just one. What about the adulterers, the murderers, the liars? All of them. You can't continue in these relationships of your flesh and say, I'm right with God. You can't. And this is the problem that we have is it, it's been watered down so much that many people, well, mom and daddy went to church and my dad started that church back in such and such and I've been going there for 40 years. Good for you. You got that seat nice and warm. Now, what are you going to do about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's all that matters. And Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. Either hate one and love the other, or else will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, man, God and man, mammon. Now, mammon in this particular case is speaking of the wealth of the world, the things of the world, the money and all that stuff. But that's all from Satan too, if that's where your hope is. No matter what you, and how you read it, there's only one place we find our security, and that's in Jesus Christ. There's only two choices, God or Satan. With God, there's truth. He is truth. His word is truth. And his spirit is truth. And with Satan, there's nothing but lies. And these lies are behind everything we see in our culture today. It stands against God and his word. Every single one is a lie. Oh, I was born this way. That's a lie. Oh, I can become opposite gender. It's a lie. Oh, there's multiple genders. It's a lie. In the beginning, God created male and female. Period, not comma. Except for such and such. No, that's it. And the lies today are I can be anything I want to be. It's my truth. It's my truth. Well, your truth is a lie if it's not Jesus Christ. I don't care what truth you think you've got. But it's a lie unless you know Jesus Christ. That's the only truth we have. There's a line drawn. God has drawn it. It's not my place to draw the line. It's not my place to judge. Some people will tell you, you're judging me. No, I'm presenting truth to you. The word itself will be your judge when you face Jesus. You either accept it or you reject it. But there's no judgment here. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Rather than those who will sit back and let you die in your sins and say they love you and accept you for who you are. Only God knows his timeline. But my spirit, in my spirit, in my heart, I sense it's closer than we think. I believe it's close. May God's church return to him with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind, and all of their strength. And may they be prepared for the persecution that is aligning itself against the true church today. Laws are being passed. Things are being done behind the scenes. Statements are being made. We're put into categories. We're terrorists now. We're terrorists because we don't agree with their agenda and we don't speak their narrative. The truth is considered evil. 
in the world we live in. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to cower away? Or are we going to stand firm? Are we going to walk in what he tells us? Are we going to walk in the truth of his word? Are we going to walk in relationship? Or are we going to let this enemy continue to continue to gain ground? Now again, it may be too late for this country. It may be too late. It may be over. But the point is, is that the church is still alive and breathing, no matter what happens in this country, no matter what happens in the world. And for anyone in this country today to say, oh, well, God would never do anything here in the United States. We're a godly Christian country. We were founded on godly principles, but we removed him from every aspect of our life in this culture. So we can't stand on that. And you can't stand on your patriotism. You can't blend it. Now, real quick, I do want to say over this Memorial Day weekend that we do, we do thank God for those that served in the military and that did you know, what they did, and, and many died on the battlefield for this country. God used that to give us the freedoms that we have today. The sad thing is, is that they're giving away the very freedoms that were fought for in World War II. They're giving them away. With no regard to those that went on and served. So thank you for your service for those who served. But even in that, do not equate your patriotism, your military service, or anything else to your faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ stands alone as our Lord and Savior. And this country is in a vulnerable, dangerous place. Stand firm. Awake. Be who God's called us to be. And let him do the work through us. Amen. Thank you, Lord, again for your word. We thank you for this continued word that you're giving us. We know, Lord, that it is truth. We know, God, that things are happening around us we need to be prepared for. I pray that we don't look at the circumstances and hide in fear, but rather we look at you in the midst of the circumstances and say, God's on the move. You're doing something. You're awakening your people. You're purging the church. You're getting rid of the those that are not yours, Lord. You're purifying the church. You're making it holy. You said that you're going to return to a bride who is spotless, without spot, without wrinkle. And, Lord, right now there's a lot of wrinkles in the church. But you want to iron all that out, and you want to get us in a place, Lord, where we're prepared for your coming. You want to get us in a place, Lord, where we're speaking truth. And whether or not you relent and turn this around and the country returns to you, wonderful. Hallelujah if that happens. But are we prepared if it doesn't? I'm not talking about going through the tribulation period. Some think we will, some think we won't. I'm not going to there today. What I'm saying is, is that everybody who is a believer today in this world, there are many who are suffering persecution to death as we speak. Are we prepared for that? Are we prepared to stand to the end? Father, we need to be. We need to be prepared. Awaken our hearts unto you. May we be bold, but humble and obedient, following your word and your plan every step of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. song we
worship a few moments long as we leave this place in Jesus' tender care we will share his love with people everywhere may God keep us till we people everywhere may 